Our reading today is Psalm 23, the NRSV version, titled The Divine Shepherd, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the witness of God's people. Thanks be to God.
lovely, lovely. A little word to start before I get into the sermon. I'm going to let you behind the curtain a little bit of how the sermon comes together each week. First I read it, and then I read it again, and I read it again many times over, and I look for words and patterns, the message. I look at how the message fits in the overall arc of the Bible, what's before it, what's after it. I really try and put it in context. I listen to a preacher's podcast, and I go to a number of commentaries, and I say, what do the experts say about this passage? And of course, I'm praying all along and looking for what God is saying to us through the passage. This week, one of the commentaries in particular was so good. And what I'm supposed to do is take inspiration and then weave it into my own brilliance. But it was so good that what I did is I referenced it directly a lot throughout the script. So if you're one of the people who reads the actual script on Facebook, you're going to see a lot of references this week throughout the text that show you whose words of brilliance they are, because they're not mine. I'm just delivering them to you. You're welcome. <laughs> and I will try and plug throughout, because we do post this on a podcast, and I want people to know throughout the, the audio text as well that the, the references are, are not my own. I'm going to start with a poem from the talented Mary Oliver. It's called Mysteries. Yes, truly, we live with mysteries, too marvelous to be understood. How grass can be nourishing in the mouths of lambs. How rivers and stones are forever in allegiance with gravity, while we ourselves dream of rising. How two hands touch and the bonds will never be broken. How people come from delight or scars of damage to the comfort of a poem. Let me keep my distance always from those who think they have all the answers. Let me keep company always with those who say, oh, look, and laugh in astonishment and bow their heads. Mary Oliver. Psalm 23 is so beloved. It's so well known. It's one of our like top three, top 10 scriptures that most people know, even if they're not Christian, even if they don't come to church, they've heard it in or in word, in funerals, on cards, somewhere we've all crossed Psalm 23 probably a number of times throughout our life, might be one of the few scriptures we know by heart because it's so familiar. But I want to challenge us today to try really hard to take a step back and look from the balcony, if you will, down at Psalm 23 in a fresh way. Try and come with fresh ears, fresh eyes, and I hope by the end of the message today there will be something that sticks with you throughout the week that you didn't already know when you came in today, or that God is speaking to you directly. I want to point out that God is only mentioned directly in part one, verse one, and in verse six at the very end. The psalm is bookended with the word and the name of God 
and God's very name. It's bracketed, it's bookended. With this God is the place of well-being. And the commentary is from a really well-respected theologian named Walter Brueggemann and colleagues. You're going to hear that name a lot today. Israel is a relatively small nation that's set in the ancient Near East between two great superpowers. One huge superpower that's intimidating and rules is in the north, above them. Another great superpower competing is in the south. At various times in history, one of those two superpowers is in control. And the route to war between them, the route to goods and services between them, runs right through the middle, little old Israel. Like the sheep in our passage today, the early church lived in a region surrounded by enemies. The good shepherd stands between the sheep who represent us, the church. The good shepherd stands between the church and the enemies that seem so huge, so intimidating, so scary. We can think of all kinds of things in the world that seem bigger and scarier than us, that are way beyond our control and what we would like to see in the world, and know that God is in between us and that trouble. Ours is to listen to the good shepherd and follow where the shepherd leads and take peace and comfort in the shepherd, being there, having our back, knowing the shepherd loves us and has our best interest at heart. In the good shepherd is safety and well-being. The psalm opens, the Lord is my shepherd, my very personal. It is to the church. It is a global thing. It's a universal thing, but it is also a very intimate and personal to each one of us thing at the same time. I shall not want. I personally, very beautiful, very encouraging, very personal and intimate, this God's relationship with each of us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The verb that's used in Hebrew for lying down is one that's actually special to animals lying down. Hence, the sheep and the shepherd metaphor is really carefully sustained. Sheep need three things for well-being, three main things. Number one, they need pasture where they can graze and they can eat and they can get their fill. Number two, they need water supply, where they can go and drink and again be filled and nourished. And then they need safe travel to get between where they're going with all their enemies watching on. These are needed in the ancient Near East in a land of inadequate rain and untamed beasts who are threatening the sheep is incapable of finding the grass and the water on its own. It is utterly dependent on the shepherd for its life. The shepherd does for the sheep what they cannot do for themselves. The shepherd does for the sheep for themselves. 
Again, that's the Walter Brueggemann commentary. Listen to these words I've highlighted here and feel how perfect it is to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. The voice, the perspective of the psalm starts from the position of one sheep. Even though we know they travel in herds and flocks and they're usually in a group together, it's the one who's speaking in this psalm on behalf of what's going on. The shepherd provides the good grass, the good water, and the safe passage protected from all the enemies around and there are lots of enemies around. All this is done for the shepherd's very namesake and respect and honor and reputation. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. The rod would protect against enemies, and the staff would bring in the herd and bring them together. Notice the words, you are with me. You, the shepherd. For the very first time in the psalm, the sheep is directing the attention specifically to the shepherd and is speaking to the shepherd. It's a statement of simple confidence and affirmation. The sheep is realistic about the danger that's all around, but they're even more realistic about the shepherd and how good the shepherd is. Again, that's Walter Brueggemann. The tone shifts, the, the context shifts after four verses. It's only six verses. After the four that deal with the sheep, it shifts all of a sudden, and we find ourselves at God's table. You prepare a table before me. Again, intimate, personal, in the presence of my enemies, here I am. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Again, deeply intimate and personal between the speaker, the church, and God. When we hear of God's table being a place of welcome, it's hard not to picture the Last Supper. It's hard not to picture the Eucharist and the altar where all are welcome and God abundantly blesses and provides and promises that we are to honor this tradition until Jesus does it with us. Again, face to face, someday. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. The promise of Psalm 23 is that even in the desert lands, in the ancient Near East, even in our desert lands, there are green pastures and still waters to be had. Even in the darkest valley, 
Our guide is there, standing between and defending us. At the conclusion of our journey, our guide arranges a reconciliation of our enemies, even the enemy of death itself. Finally, there's the experience of our return to the guide, who ironically has never left our side. That again is Walter Brueggemann. In the end, again, we return to the guide who never actually left our side. May it be so.